Amen. Well, that was a wonderful presentation from our children, and thank you so much, Miss Alice and Miss Bim, for your uh, effort in preparing them. I know that's not easy. And it was funny, while they were singing that um, mini opera for us, and uh, then as we proceeded to worship, I really just had this like deep desire in my heart to knock this idol over. I just really want to smash it on the ground. I'm not going to do that because they worked so hard on it, and we're, we're not worshiping it this morning. But one thing I want to point out to you as, as you know, we proceed with this uh, worship service this morning is, um, you know, this is kind of here and we can use what the kids taught us out of that passage in Daniel as a reminder. Uh, as you look up here and see this, uh, may it remind all of us uh, to be cognizant of the idols of our own lives. So you're probably not going to be commanded you know, in our culture to go and bow down and worship a golden statue anytime soon. But our culture does compel us to form and worship idols other than God, doesn't it? There's a lot of things that our culture desires for us to worship um, instead of the one true God that's worthy of our worship. And so even just looking at this as an example this morning, remember that there is only one God. There's only one person in this universe worthy of our worship and praise, and that is the God of this universe, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let's remember that this morning. I really want to knock him down and smash this thing and maybe light it on fire, but we're going to leave it alone for the rest of the service this morning, uh, Miss Alice, so you'll be able to take it. You want it? I'm, I'm going to leave it there. That's all right. Well, that's a good reminder. So it's Mother's Day, and I'm so thankful for you mothers. Thank you guys. You're awesome. All of us have a mom, and so today's the day through Jesus uh, that we thank him for you and all the things that you've done in our lives. Happy Mother's Day. You know, the Bible is filled with godly women. There's tons and tons of godly women in the Bible. I just want to talk about five uh, by way of introduction, we have Sarah, uh, who was unable to have children, was promised by God through her husband Abram, later to be known as Abraham, that she would have a son and that her, uh, her children, children's children would be as numerous as the sand on Key West, one of Key West's beaches, or the stars that we see in the sky. And, um, you know, God gave her that promise and, and she had to wait 25 years before she got Isaac. What a faithful, godly woman. Then there's Jochebed. You may not remember her name. That's Moses' mom. So when she became pregnant, it was pretty much one of the worst possible times you could be pregnant um, in that region because at that time, the uh, Pharaoh of Egypt had commanded that all Israel boys that were born were to be thrown in the Nile and murdered. So she's pregnant with Moses. She takes an incredible step of faith and does everything she can for him to survive. And he did survive. In fact, later ended up leading uh, God's people out of Egypt and through the wilderness and, and into the, the kind of the edge of the promised land. What about Mary? What about Jesus's mom? Even Jesus had a mom. Mary was a virgin Mary was unmarried. She was visited by an angel that said that she was going to have a baby. How would, women, how would you like that to be your first baby? Talk about a shock, right? Having a baby 
having your first baby is a shock anyway. Imagine if your first baby uh, is miraculously given to you by God and uh, you're unmarried, you're a virgin, you're trying to sort all that out. That's what Mary went through. Uh, and then after that, think about this. Think about being the one tasked by God to raise the Savior, to raise God in the flesh. Think about raising a child that never made a single mistake, that never said a single harsh word. That's what Mary did. What about Elizabeth? She was the one given miraculously by God in her old age, a child that we now know as John the Baptizer, um, Jesus' cousin. Uh, she was given him exercise faith by believing that she would be able to have a baby, and then she did in her old age. And then also, believe it or not, there are godly mother-in-laws in the Bible. No one wants to laugh at that. Okay. Really thought that was going to go differently. I love my mother-in-law. Um, she's probably watching, and I'm going to pay for that one, maybe. There are godly mother-in-laws in the Bible. I want to point one out. Her name was Naomi. And Naomi was um, widowed. She was left with two. Uh, both of her sons died. Her husband died. She was left with two daughters-in-law, uh, one of whom left and went back to her own people. But there was Ruth, the faithful godly woman who stayed with her. Uh, Naomi walked with her, took her back to live among her people in Israel, introduced her to the God of heaven. Ultimately, uh, Ruth would marry who? Boaz. Uh, and later, through that family line, we have Boaz, we have King David, and ultimately Jesus coming from the line of a godly, godly woman. The Bible is filled with godly women. So what I want to do today, what I want to do this morning, is give you seven qualities of a godly woman. Seven qualities of a godly woman. I think it's appropriate to do this on Mother's Day. If you have a Bible, turn it to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Proverbs 31. This is no doubt a passage that many of you have probably heard uh, many, many times. I hope that today you'll uh, maybe reap some fruit uh, from my preaching of this word. Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 10. I'm going to give you seven qualities of a godly woman. Seven qualities of a godly woman. First, a godly woman is precious. A godly woman is precious. Verse 10 says, An excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. So a godly woman is like a precious jewel. The qualities of this woman is that she's strong. She is of strong moral courage. She's efficient. She has a wealth of skills very difficult to find. She's so difficult to find, so difficult to find someone like her that our writer here describes her as someone who's above the worth of jewels. How many of you have ever owned a rare jewel? Anybody in here ever had a rare jewel? Nobody? Augie, the only me and Augie, the only ones? Okay, you got, are you guys awake? We had songs, we had a mini opera. Okay, well, maybe you'll warm up to me a little bit later. So many of you probably at one time in your life had or seen a, a precious jewel. The most precious jewel that I've ever handled in my life was my wife's engagement ring. I remember saving up for that thing, and, and I don't really think it was anything special, but it was special to me, and I think it's special to her, but I remember when I bought it, I bought it, and I drove back to my home, and I looked at it, and I'm like, what in the world am I going to do with this tiny thing that's worth more than my vehicle? 
right? Instantly, I thought, I'm going to lose this thing. What, what are you supposed to do with a tiny, valuable jewel? So I went to the bank and got a safe deposit box, right? And I put it in there, and I locked it, and I walked away. And it sat in there for maybe like nine months until the time was right for me to propose to my wife. And uh, I just remember looking at that jewel and just thinking how amazing it was. And I didn't really care much about the diamond. I cared about what that meant, that I was going to get married to the woman of my dreams. But I remember when I got it, I took care of it. You know, I put it in. I got out of the jeweler into my truck and went straight home. But on the way home, I put it in my glove box and locked it. That's how worried I was that somehow I would lose it. And so that precious jewel, you know, I, I took great, great care of it. I locked it up. I made sure that no one could steal it. You know, I made sure that I had it in a place that was safe. A woman who follows the Lord is more valuable than even the most precious jewels on this earth. So on a list of the husband's most valuable things in his life, she far surpasses them. Because of that, she's worthy of his trust, that text says. Her husband trusts her with the innermost parts of his heart and, and his thoughts and the things he cares most about. He relies on her. He depends on her. He places complete faith in her as his wife and the mother of his children, as a woman in society. It says there that she does good, not evil. She does what is good and not what is evil. He and his children benefit from her. She never hurts or injures them. She's always raising them up. And she does this as a way of life. That's how she lives. That's why she's more precious than jewels. The second quality of a godly woman is that she's resourceful. Uh, look at verse 13. It says, She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. So the godly woman is resourceful and she works for her family. It says there that she searches and seeks out what her family needs. Now, in this particular context, she's looking for flax. Now, flax was a fiber that was used to make linen, and they, of course, used linen to make clothing. And so she's out looking for flax and wool to make sure that her family is properly clothed. Clothes. And she does whatever's necessary to make sure that this takes place. It says here that she's willing to do even the most difficult and unpleasant jobs willingly. When I think of this lady, I can't help but think of all of you mothers, including mine, uh, who had kids in sports or uh, maybe kids that were involved in things that were going on outside. And I remember being, I was involved in all kinds of sports, and I remember. You know, we'd be in like maybe like week four or five of basketball and mom would start to harass me about bringing my practice jersey home, right? Listen, I'm in week four or five of basketball, Christine, four or five, and I had not yet taken the practice jersey home. You can't smell it because no one takes them home. So the whole locker room smells like that. And uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't judge me. If you've got kids that play sports, you probably have to do the same thing to them. So I'm thinking of this woman here, and I think of all of you moms that have the kids in sports or sailing or whatever that involves a lot of sweating, 
even, you know, uh, you know, the arts and band and things like that where they're out there and they got these, these suits on and they're sweating in them. And you do what it takes, right? You take that nasty thing and you wash it, you press it, you clean it to make sure that your kids are clothed and dressed for what life brings toward them. It says there that this lady gets up before the sun comes up. Verse 15. The good news is, is you don't have to take that literally. That was proper for this particular time. But what is the point of that text is she's up. She's preparing for the day. She's making sure that her family is ready for the day. The point is that she's not lazy. The godly woman is not lazy. She works hard for her family and for the Lord. She makes sure that everybody's needs are taken care of. She's prepared and she's organized. The third quality of a godly woman, she's strong. Listen to verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good and her lamp does not go out at night. Because this lady's prepared, because the godly woman is organized, she's able to help increase her family's wealth. She carefully considers big decisions and she makes wise choices. She invests her money in her family's future. What, what can you be doing now, ladies? What can you be doing now for your family to better secure their future? Where are some places where you can invest your extra time, your extra money for your family and for your household? Now, one attribute of the godly woman, according to this text, um, is her strength. She's strong. It says that she wraps strength around her like a belt. Her moral character is the center of her being. Now, I want to tell you something <clears throat> specific about Fifth Street Baptist Church. The women of this church are strong women. All right? Let me encourage you guys for a minute. Y'all women, you guys are strong. I've seen woman after woman after woman in this church helping to lead and support your families drawing them to a stronger faith in the Lord, helping us do all kinds of ministries in this church that would be um, impossible for us to complete. But because you surrender to the Lord and His calling on your life to be godly women, God uses this church for amazing things. You women in Fifth Street, you are strong, strong women. Because you make good choices. You're dependable. How are your choices affecting your family? What are you wrapping around your waist as your most valuable asset? What should we wrap around our waist? What should be the center of our being? It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be following His call and His desires for our lives and for our families. You know, mothers never, never cease to amaze me. Y'all are so strong. First of all, I'm amazed that you have more than one kid, right? You go through it one time, and then you do it after that. That's pretty amazing to me. You're also very well organized. When I think of my mom, when I think of my wife, and many of you mothers, one particular thing I think about when it comes to being organized and strong is your purse. 
All right. Do any of y'all carry the big purse? Anybody in here? Nobody? It's not going to work unless some of you do that. Okay, thank you very much. Now, when I, Darlene gave an example. When I was growing up, I could get anything I needed to out of my mom's purse. Right, Austin? He's shaking his head yes. You need a piece of candy, hard candy? It's in the purse. You need change to make a phone call or buy a soda or a piece of candy at the little junk machines that, you know, at Walmart? Where do you get the change? The coin purse, which is in the purse. Right? You need a tissue? Where do you go? I could be in a hospital. I need a tissue. You know where I'm going? Mom's purse. Band-aids in the purse. Comb in the purse. Everything you could need is in your mom's purse. If I was going to have to go to a desert island and I could only take one thing, do you know what I would take? Mom's purse. That's right. Just think about that for a minute. That is a, a demonstration. That is the fruit of mothers, of godly women who are organized and strong, prepared for the day and everything that comes. The fourth quality of a godly woman, she does what it takes. Godly women do what it takes. Verse 19 says, She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. So the godly woman is always willing to do whatever it takes. Verse 19 is talking about a yarn spinning process, right? So the distaff and the spindle were things they used to create um, garments. Um, as a woman in the household, there's no task that you're unwilling to do for your family. When I read that, I thought of many of you here at Fifth Street who faithfully take care of your extended family, right? Our culture does not support or celebrate taking care of the next generation. And y'all do that very, very well. You godly women taking time to visit your parents, your aunts, your grandparents. Some of you have them living in your home. You're writing them cards and calling them. You're making sure that they feel a part of the family and that they remember that they're loved by you. You're doing what it takes and you're demonstrating your godliness in the way that you not only care for your immediate family, but for your whole family. All right, number five. The godly woman is prepared. Verse 20 says this, She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. So she is prepared. Because her house is in order, she's able to help those outside of her household. Not only her own children, but those in need around her. Her household is clothed properly for the seasons, and she doesn't have to worry about being unprepared for whatever the world brings to her family because she's clothed them appropriately. Now, that means more than just clothing them with clothes. It means clothing them with principles from the Word of God. The godly woman cultivates certain things in her children, she teaches them to make good choices, things that are outlined in the Bible and guided by her relationship with Jesus. 
She teaches them to place their lives on a proper foundation, the foundation of Christ and the salvation that He offers. She teaches them to know truth from deception. The ability to know the difference between what's good and what's wrong or bad. What's right and wrong. What's good and evil. What God desires and what God does not desire. She also provides good things for her family. She takes pride in her home and her family. She makes, as this text says, coverings for the beds and dresses in fine linen and purple. And those are indicators that her family is well taken care of. That she makes sure that they have everything that they need. Verse 23 continues, it says, Her husband is known at the gates, and when he sits among the elders of the land. Now the gates during this time, when this was written, they, that was an area of town where people would go to conduct business. It was kind of like our conch coffee shops of today in Key West, right? You know what those are? Thank you very much. Okay, if you want to get some real business done, you go have a coffee and you go meet the contractor or whatever you need over at the, at the coffee shop. That happens often here. In this age, during this time, you went to the gate of the city and you met with people and you talked about business. You bought and sold and things of that nature. The godly woman's husband is known at the gates. What makes his prestigious position possible? She's supporting him. She's helping to enable him to succeed at what he does. She's worthy of praise because of his and her hard work. Her domestic comfort and the things that she does for him in the home provide him opportunities to go out and succeed. So ladies, are you enabling your husbands to succeed in society by providing a stable home? Men, are you recognizing the things that your women, your wives do for you so that you can succeed in society as well? Verse 24 continues with this godly woman who's prepared. It says, She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. So the godly woman here has found a way to support her family. She started a small business to start making extra money, utilizing her skills and abilities to help support the family. Now, does this mean that you need to go out and start a business? No. This woman is willing and God calls our women to be willing to work hard for the family to ensure that they have everything they need. Doing whatever it takes to help make ends meet. Ladies, I think the call from the Lord today, the question for your heart is, are you willing to do whatever it takes for your families? Men, the question for us, are you secure enough to allow your wife to use her talents? To help the family. Finally, verse 25, it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. A well-prepared person does not dread the future, but welcomes it because we're ready for it. The godly woman lives with strength and dignity. The Lord commands all of us to live in His strength but also to live in dignity, to make good actions toward others. Because she lives this way, the, the godly woman and her family have a bright future. One of the ladies I thought about 
when I read and, and studied this part of the text was a great missionary named Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was single, and she never had any of her own children. She was called by God at a younger age to go to China during a time when nobody went to China. She went there to tell the people there about Jesus. She went, a uh, very small lady, she was only four foot three, and she went there against the wishes of many of the people uh, in her life because God called her to be a witness to the Chinese people for Jesus. Now, while she was over there, she ministered mainly to women and children and led many people to the Lord. She oftentimes would give what she had only for herself to eat to kids so that they could eat. Ultimately, we do believe that she died uh, in passage to the United States of starvation because she gave all her food away to the children that were in her care. She was able to provide a bright future to those kids because she laid it out on the line for them. Because she wrote countless letters back to the United States to get support. Lottie Moon's a testimony for all women, all missionaries indeed, to what it looks like to give your life to Jesus so that others could hear the gospel. The Lord has provided us with a bright future at Fifth Street Baptist Church because of the hundreds of women who have served right here in this building. I was thinking about that this morning. The, the parsonage we live in, uh, just a, a mile down the road, um, was the original location of our church. And so I was just kind of sitting in, in the house and looking and thinking of the small group of people that started our church and, and how among them there certainly were godly women that helped invite people, helped share the gospel, helped train children and, and teach people the Bible. We're, we're in the middle here in this church in a, a long legacy of people that serve the Lord and especially in a legacy of godly women who led people to the Lord, who led people to the Lord. Many of you in this room right now, I'm thinking of Rodriguez, uh, other of our children that were raised in this church, you were raised up and taught Bible stories by our godly women. And now my prayer is that you'll take that into the next generation. The godly woman is prepared, and that shows itself. The fruit of that is demonstrated in the legacy they leave behind and the generations of people that come after you. All right, the sixth quality of a godly woman. She's tamed her tongue. Verse 26 says this. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So she's tamed her tongue. You know, there's 25 verses in the Bible about the tongue. I picked out three to read to you today. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So a godly woman has tamed her tongue, and that means the godly woman uses her words to build others up. 
to bring an encouraging word, to teach them about the Lord Jesus and what He's done for us on the cross. I remember at a church I was pastoring in the, past, in, in the uh, recent past, she obviously had the spiritual gift of encouragement, and when I would talk to her, she was always so encouraging. Even when she had something difficult to say to me, she figured out a way to say it that was uplifting and biblical and encouraging. And I'm sure you all have had somebody like that in your life before. That was just one of those people that, that always built you up, always shared joy in your life from the Lord. And I want to uh, just compel you to be one of those people. Be someone that holds back, you know, uh, harsh words and, and judgment upon others and instead uses words to encourage people, to lift them up so that they could be drawn nearer to Jesus. Now, the, the final, the seventh quality of a godly woman, and I think one of the best ones, is that she will receive a great reward. Ladies, you live your life for the Lord. You give yourself for your family and, and contribute to them and His ministry well. And the Lord has a promise for you. He has a reward waiting for you in heaven. Listen to verse 27 through 31. It says, She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the products of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So what is the reward of the godly woman who gives her life for Jesus? It says her children will love and respect her. Her husband praises her for her hard work and her loving service. And God, most importantly, God accepts your life as an offering to Him. Listen, I want to tell you something about this world. This world is probably not going to celebrate the life of a godly woman. You will probably not receive accolades for your service to Him, for your dedication to your family, for the things that you do in the name of Jesus. But that doesn't matter. The promise from God here in His Word is that the godly woman will receive rewards from the Lord Jesus. And so as you wash that smelly jersey, as you make that sacrifice, maybe for the hundredth time for your family that nobody recognizes, as you continue to do the things that God's called you to do as a wife and a mother, as a woman serving in this church, just remember that Jesus sees what you're doing. Jesus is going to reward you for what you're doing. One day, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to meet Jesus. And you know what he's going to say? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, godly woman. You served well. Welcome home. And here's your reward. So what do we say in closing on Mother's Day? What does the Word of God give you by way of encouragement? 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 is something I want to leave you with before we move in to our time of invitation. It says this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a matter worthy of your calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. On this Mother's Day, what is our calling from God? How can we all aspire to be or to support the godly woman and the godly women in our lives? Men, it's our job to praise our women to love them, to encourage them in their roles, to respect what they do as crucial to the family's well-being and to the well-being of this church, to support them in their walk with Jesus. Ladies, it's your job to be the best godly woman that you can be. God has written you this poem to give you a pathway as a mother and a wife, as a servant in this church. It's also of utmost importance that you realize that your role is unbelievably important to all of us. Children, it's your job to obey your mothers. Tell them that you love them. Give them lots of hugs and kisses. And let your mom guide you in the way you live your life. By the way, if you're an adult, you're still a child of somebody, right? So even as adults, we can do that too. I want to say thank you to our mothers in the name of Jesus for all that you do, for the sacrifices that you make, most importantly, for being a godly woman, someone who loves Jesus and teaches us how to walk with him, and live a life that gives him glory. We're going to have a time of invitation now. In a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. We're going to sing a song together. If you feel compelled to come and pray at this altar, or you uh, want to make a decision, maybe to follow Jesus as a believer or join this church, maybe you just need someone to pray with you, come forward during this time, and uh, we'll pray together, and we'll Offer up whatever it is God's calling you to do during this time. So I want to invite you to stand now, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you today, especially for the mothers that you've blessed us with in our lives. Thank you for the godly women of this church that have served you well that have led us by example and demonstrated what real faith in Jesus means. Help us now during this time of invitation to have the strength and the faith to step out and do whatever it is you've called us to do today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.